Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 122, the gospel as the true armor of God, deliverance from demons as transfer of dominion. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. Last week, we took a little break and we talked about the demoniac with the demons named Legion. Today, we're going to pick up in the article again, under the section heading Ephesians authorial intent. So if you're following along on the PDF, we're at the bottom of page two. Right. It's, it's good timing because we talked about Luke's authorial intent last week. Right. And we have to understand that if we want to understand what they're telling us. Right. See, the Holy Spirit inspired authors determine the meaning of the text, not the readers. Right. And the text isn't some magical thing that morphs and changes because the Holy Spirit told us it meant something that Luke or Paul or whoever didn't mean. That's liberalism. I know some people think that's very spiritual because they, they think the Holy Spirit's telling them what the Bible means, but it's simply liberalism. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're talking about authorial intent here in Ephesians. Um, I think people can understand that from the political realm. There's a, the debate in politics is, does the Constitution, here we're in America, so maybe you listen from elsewhere, you probably have a Constitution. But some people believe the Constitution means what the authors intended it to mean. Right. And then we should have court justices that function according to the meaning determined by the authors, right? Mm -hmm. What does liberalism say? Oh, it's a living document. They, they claim they're adding some status to it by calling it living, but they're actually saying, no, it's morphing and changing according to what we want. Right. All right. Each generation gets to determine for themselves what it means. And then it pretty soon doesn't function as a binding authority whatsoever. Well, that's just an analogy with Bible interpretation. It's the liberals who who pretend to enhance scripture by calling it a living document. Well, what they mean is it's morphing and changing according to what I think it should say. And I'm just going to claim the Holy Spirit as the source for my claim about what it means. Right. It always has the meaning that was given at the act of writing it by the Holy Spirit inspired author. That okay. meaning stays the same forever. So that's the principle we're using here in this section on authorial intent. Okay. So if we can understand Ephesians 1, what Paul meant, then we know what God told us. Right. right. And just, Paul's meaning is really important here. If we get that wrong, we will never understand any of this. Right. So what we're going to look at is some material in Ephesians 1. Okay. And I'm citing Clinton Arnold in this, this uh, article, issue uh, 122, a lot of the research was from Arnold's work about the nature of things in the world of the Ephesians at the time that Paul wrote this article, or I mean this book of Ephesians, okay? Okay. 
So let me give a quote from Clinton Arnold. Yeah, this is about that section of Ephesians 1. In contrast to the experience of mystery enlightenment, the author of Ephesians, which by the way is Paul, stresses an enlightenment of the innermost being of man brought about by the spirit of God and directed toward the true knowledge of God. The writer wants his readers to be fully assured that he who has made these promises has sufficient power and ability to carry them out. These affirmations about a secure destiny would prove particularly comforting to believers living in a milieu where people experience great anxiety about their fate. A fate, says Arnold, thought to have been determined by the stars and cosmic powers, unquote. So in Asia Minor, where Ephesus is, they believed that they, everything that happened in their life, good or bad, could be attributed to fate, and the fate was determined by the gods, and the gods were these cosmic powers, and you could understand them by following the stars, and so there you have ancient astrology and so forth. Okay. And so yeah. they had very elaborate religious rituals and processes designed to somehow get free from their bad fate. All right. Okay. Yeah. That, well, that background is very important because it helps us understand why Paul wrote what he did in Ephesians 1. Okay. And, um, in Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14, we have this thing that in the Greek is called eulogetes, or eulogetos, and it's a type of literature that comes from the Old Testament where it was called barakah, or blessing. And what it is, it's blessing God for his virtues, his character qualities, his mighty deeds, and his glorious promises. All right. And you can read that in the Psalms. Blessed are you, O Lord. And then what he did. Tosses uh, the song of Moses, you toss the horse and rider into the sea. Yeah. Blessed are you, O God, who did these mighty deeds. And so that's how we know who God is, what he did, as, as described in Scripture, and what his promises are, and what the Bible tells us about God. And then what it tells us about having a relationship with God, and for those who do have a relationship with God through Christ, what our status is in Christ. Okay. And so what we're learning in Ephesians 1 here, as I cover that in my article, and what Clinton Arnold's talking about, is that back then they were afraid of their bad fate caused by the demons, the stars, the curses, whatever. And Paul's saying, no, in Christ, you are God's lot. You are part of the people of God, and you're safe, and your destiny has been determined from even before the foundation of the world. Okay. Yeah. And that we have a secure eternal future. And okay. We're safe. And when I preached through Ephesians in the last three years, the first series of sermons I did all had the title safe in them when I went through this Barakah. Right. Where God is blessed for his mighty deeds and all praise and glory is given to him. We glorify God 
to the praise of his glory because of what he's done. Okay. But the pagans, now the people in Ephesus, we read about, and we've talked about this, it's in Acts, they had to get out of the occult when they turned to Christ. And as we've said before, they got rid of their magical writings and that told them formulas and sayings and shamanistic processes to get, out of your, get rid of your bad faith. So in my article, I write, the fear of the influence of evil forces is a necessary and important background to understand Ephesians. They were very much afraid. And if they didn't stand firm in Christ, and that's what the armor of God about is about, standing firm in what the gospel and what Christ has done for us, they would be tempted to go back to these formulas, these sayings, these incantations, these invocations of the various deities, because they're bailing out in trusting that Christ is who he said he is and has done what the Bible says he did. All right. And so, people are doing that to, today, just going back to curse breaking and all the other things. We just do it in different ways. That's my point. The modern deliverance counselors, curse breakers, prophets are essentially teaching a Christianized version of paganism. Yes. And they're doing the same things that Paul is warning about. And ironically, they're using the Gospels and Acts as justification for the processes. And last week, we showed just how off base that can get if you get, you, excuse me, if you loose yourself from authorial intent. Instead of asking, what is Luke telling us? We're asking, what secrets can we learn? Right. That's done. Uh, it does come down to that. What secrets can we learn in this passage rather than what does it say and how does it apply to me? Right. Here's another one I found here. This is Bob Larson, curse breaking. Okay. So I, I went in here, I was reading some of this today, and it's, it's about how to. It's about a process. And it's about making these statements and interacting with the realm of the spirits and what you have to do to break curses so that you'd no longer be under the curse. Now, excuse me while I reach for my Bible, I want to turn to Ephesians and just show you what Paul was saying. And I'm thinking about what Clinton Arnold told us about the background. He's an expert in the, religions of the ancient Near East. And okay. his material has a lot of uh, first primary source inscriptions that are translated from things that they found in digs around there in Asia Minor, what the religious people were believing and saying. And so the point is, you're not under bad fate if you're in Christ. Okay. No. Ephesians 1, 3 let me just read that. This is the beginning of Barakah, which is okay. Hebrew. Uh, Eulogetos is Greek. Blessed. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. So where we get our word eulogy. But in this case, you're saying good things about God, what he did. Okay. Right? All right. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So there's verse 3 and 4a. And so if it's true that God has blessed us and that this blessing is true for those who've been chosen before the foundation of the world, which in this case, he's referring to Christians. He's writing okay. to the church. Yeah. Well, then we don't need to go out and look for a curse breaker. We can't, we are either blessed or cursed. We can't be a little yeah. bit of each. That's why I call it two domain theology, what I teach. Yes. You're either in the domain of darkness or in the, the domain of light, which is Christ through the gospel. And once you're under Christ, you're not cursed. Right. Okay. So why are these books selling millions of copies that are written to tell Christian, Christians how to get uncursed? Okay. Here. And honestly, people are looking for symptom relief. And we talked about that a little while ago, but it really boils down to we want a different situation for ourselves. Right. But we never better think very carefully about that. Yes. If we are trusting Christ and serving him because we believe he is who he claims to be, the creator, the Messiah, who came into our world fully human and fully God, who was crucified and shed his blood and who was raised on the third day and bodily ascended into heaven. And he's coming back to reward those who love him and bring judgment to his enemies. If we believe that, and we believe what we just read there from Ephesians 1.3, that we are blessed and that blessing has been determined before the foundation of the world. It's not going to slip away from us. Okay. And then somebody comes along and says, well, but look at your symptoms. Do you have problems with your children? Do you have problems with your boss? Do you have problems with your finances? Do you have problems with sickness? Do you have uh, things that really you don't want in your life? And then they list all these possible symptoms. These books do that, okay? Okay. I found an article that I wrote about a, a TV preacher named Marilyn Hick Hickey from the okay. 80s who was teaching yeah. that. So they go back into Deuteronomy under the Old Covenant and look at all the curses listed that would happen if Israel rebelled against Yahweh. Right. Well, then they list all of those. And then they say to the Christians, do you have any of those in your life? Oh. Any of those negative things. Uh, and then they make a logical fallacy. Okay. And the, um, and the logical fa fallacy is that uh, because you have the same symptom, Therefore, the cause of it must be whatever was listed in Deuteronomy. It must be a curse from God. Okay. Because, and here's the logical fallacy. Because under the old covenant, if you committed idolatry, this is what your life is going to be like. Because you rejected Yahweh. Therefore, if anybody has those symptoms, they must be under a curse from God. Or a curse from Satan or whatever. Okay. So... 
But that's a logical fallacy. And here's why it's a logical fallacy. There's, there's more than one possible cause for the same observed result. Right. Okay. So because some people in the Old Testament rebelled and had these symptoms, and they had a prophet, Moses, who told them that's what would happen. Okay. Um, doesn't mean that everyone now who's a Christian who has any symptom that you can find listed in there must be cursed by God too. Right. It doesn't work that way. No, that, that's a logical fallacy. There may be more than one cause of the same result. I mean, the same okay. observed symptom or result. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, there's a, it's called, oh, there's a Latin term for it. If you ever want to learn uh, formal and informal logical fallacies, it's a good thing to learn. But it's a fallacy. Because here's the thing. God says that all Christians are blessed. Okay. That's what we need to know. What's the cause of the blessing? The fact that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And we know that because we actually believe the gospel, came to Christ, and we're trusting him alone. Amen. All right? It's yep. not because of our heritage or we grew up in a church or somebody baptized us as a baby. It does, that's not what causes us to know we're blessed. We're blessed because we know Christ. Okay. We've been born of God. It says in Ephesians 1, 3 that we're blessed. I just read that to you out of the okay. Bible. It doesn't say examine the symptoms in your life. If you have problems with sleeplessness, if you have physical ailments, if you have a lack of money, if you have things that you don't like, if you have problems in family relationships, therefore you must be cursed because you have things similar to what it says in the Old Testament, what happened to Israel if they rebelled against Yahweh. That's okay, not what okay. it's saying. The issue about whether you're blessed or cursed is relational, not symptomatic. Right. All right. So here is the thing you need to know. The Bible says if you're sick, call for the elders down and pray. It doesn't say because you're blessed, you never get sick. Right. It, does, it sure doesn't. No. Okay. So you can't examine the symptoms. And that's where people get off track. And I've seen that for decades. There are people that most people know who, as far as we can tell, they're not Christian. We know they're not Christian. They have no interest in Christ or the gospel. Some of them are New Age pagans. And sometimes they have a happy family. They've got lots of money. They've got happy kids and wives and husbands. And they go on vacations and they have a nice cabin to go to uh, in the summer. And mm -hmm. life is going really well for them. Is that proof? that they're, they have a covenant relationship with God and they're blessed? No. No, and the Bible addresses that. Just read the Psalms, the lament Psalms. The yeah. lament over the prosperity of the wicked. Mm -hmm. When everything went bad for Job, did that mean he was actually cursed? No. Oh, his friends thought so, but no. Yeah. So symptoms aren't, aren't going to help you. You can't examine symptoms to determine what relationship you have vis-a-vis uh, -vis either Christ or Satan. 
Right. Okay. So we're blessed because we have a relationship with Christ and that blessing has been determined even in the highest places, the heavenly realms where the, the Ephesians feared that the fate may be bad because of the heavenlies. We're blessed and that can't be reversed. Right. Amen. Who was it? Wasn't it a Balaam that wanted to reverse blessing that God had given? <laughs> yep. And what did he say? And he well, couldn't. He said he blessed and I can't reverse it. Yep. No matter how hard he tried, he could not curse those whom God had blessed. Dear Christians, read Ephesians 1.3. Read the whole Barakah. I'm calling it that using a Hebrew name. Ephesians 1.3 through 14. And you tell me that that's telling you that you might be cursed if you don't know what your ancestor did. Or you have some physical symptom you don't like. Or people aren't treating you well. Or you don't have enough money. Is it telling you that? Or is it telling you that you're blessed because of your relationship with God? Authorial intent. And Paul means these to be precious promises to us. Well, we, we need to not trade in the promises of God for pagan practices. But that's what's happening because people want control of their own destiny. Right. And it's really a failure of faith. When you get to the armor of God in Ephesians 6, it's about standing firm in what God has already done. All right? Yes. We talked about that. But see... I, one of the common emails I get from people, and I, please don't be scared away from emailing because I cite different things. Because I've been getting many, many emails for since there's been emails in the 90s. Uh, that's how I learn what people need. need. I want to know what you're going through because I want to know what people need so we can do shows to help, help many people. Okay. Yes. But many people think that the symptoms indicate they're still cursed. Okay. Or... They've been to deliverance ministers, and then there's manifestations. The deliverance right. ministers really do uh, uh, specialize in manifestations. And okay. then later, they get other manifestations, and they, they think, well, there's, there's demons still working. And the more you focus on manifestations, the more you get. Right. And so I would say just focus on the promises of God and the relationship and ignore any of these things. You might say, yes. well, they're hard to ignore. Well, let's just give a, a, an analogy of something that would be more common. What if you don't have a lot of money and you're rather poor and you got to work two jobs, which we had to do for a long time to try to mm -hmm. even have a roof over your head. Yeah. If that's true and you're a Christian, does that mean that Ephesians one Three through fourteen doesn't apply to you. That you're no, not no. seated with Christ in the heavenlies, and that you're not blessed in all things in the heavenly places. And that all of this really isn't true, because you don't have enough money. Most people, not everybody, because some people have been taught so badly, would say, "Well, you know, I know I'm blessed." Okay, there are yeah. some Christians who have a lot of money, some that don't have much. But there's a lot of pagans that have a lot of money and some that don't have much. It's a human condition in a fallen world. But the blessing is dependent on that. Now, if you look at the manifestations that may happen after having gone through deliverance ministries, 
which I think are causing the problem. Uh, you can't go by the symptoms either any more than lack of money is a valid symptom that you're not blessed or some sort of a manifestation uh, that people have that uh, has been attributed to demons. That's not proof that you're not blessed either. Nothing is proof that you're not blessed. Right. Because the proof that you're blessed is the resurrection of Christ and the fact that he chose you from before the foundations of the world. And the proof of that is that you have been born of the spirit and you confess Jesus Christ and you serve him alone. Amen. You wouldn't Amen. do that. If you didn't know Christ, you wouldn't uh, serve him. Right. Now, let me get back to uh, what we were going through here. See, I wrote a little note here on that longest citation I just did. We're on page three now, first column from, from Arnold. Okay. That what the people were under is determinism. Okay. Determinism means something from the past or some cosmic force is determining my well-being. Okay. And therefore fate and i somehow have this bad fate and all of this religious practice in asia minor was about getting rid of your bad fate but there's a certain irony to determinism because it's really determined and you can't get rid of it anyhow right that's true then it's if it's not determined then then you then yeah. things change mm -hmm. but see rather than blind determinism or bad fate we believe in a relationship with god who is our heavenly father who loves us and he sent his son, the savior and who prays for us. And we have a throne of grace. We can go to, to find help when we need it. Yes. It's relational. It's not some blind wheels of determinism. Okay. Okay. So now let me quote something here that I wrote. The fear of the influence of evil forces is a necessary important background to understand Ephesians and Colossians, both of which were written to the churches of Asia Minor. That's what I wrote. Okay. Ephesians also emphasizes the doctrine of election. Why? If the Ephesian Christians were chosen by God, their status does not depend on fate, but on the kind intention of God's will in Christ. Amen. That's his, our security right there. His intentions are kind. Yes. Now, some Christians object to the doctrine of election is to them. It doesn't seem fair or whatever. And they want to get rid of it. And they want to put everything back into our camp about whether we make the right choices or not. And I don't, I think that's partly the blame for why there's so much of the of these teachings about Christians cursed and Christians demonized and how do we get rid of all this? We may think it's comforting to have control of our own destiny. Yeah, but it's in the not. bigger scheme of things, it's not comforting. It wasn't to the Ephesians before they found Christ. Right. And Paul didn't write these things about having been chosen to confuse us. He Because... He means what he says. He wrote them to comfort us. Yes. And some say, well, what about all everybody that's not saved? 
Well, whether they come to Christ or not, between them and God, preach the gospel. Right. We don't know who God is going to save or when he's going to save them. We know we're chosen because we came to Christ and we believe Christ and he's at work in our lives. We don't know who else is going to do that. No. So we can't look at somebody else and say, well, they weren't chosen. We don't know that. Maybe they'll nope. come to Christ tomorrow. Right. Okay? So as we have closing time here, I want to do one more quote from Arnold and we'll close here. Okay. Okay. Christians, says Arnold, who before their conversion received false comfort from Artemis by viewing the zodiacal signs so prominently depicted in their, on her cultic image and assuming that their goddess had sway over the powers controlling fate and they would now experience true and profound comfort knowing they were chosen by God. So before they had the zodiac. Okay. They had Artemis, and they thought the Zodiac determined their fate. And how am I going to fix it? Because sometimes it's bad. Yeah. There's an old blues song, Born Under a Bad Sign. Mm -hmm. Well, you can sing the blues, or you can come to Christ. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, there would be no reason, says Arnold, for these converts to consult either Artemis or any other pagan deity for oracular advice. Their fate does not rest in the whims of hostile spiritual powers. Their future is secure and blessed by virtue of their election in Christ. Unquote. Wow. And I agree with Clinton Arnold on that point. He's absolutely right. So dear saints, study the scriptures, believe what it says, like Paul determines the meaning, which is God's meaning, because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He was a true apostle, spoke for God, and you will find comfort. You go to the deliverance councils, counselors, the Latter-day prophets, the curse breakers, the demon deliverers, the, all of these things to try to find some way to get rid of your bad outcomes. And all you get is more confusion and more sorrow and more hopelessness. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.